Trisden here with the Extreme Common Sense Podcast, thanking our friends at Berea Pond. We could not do the podcast without the generous support from Aaron and Robin at Berea Pond. And also, my house wouldn't have nearly as much cool stuff without all the items at Berea Pond. So when you're ready for your next furniture, gun, ammo, pallet, they have so much cool stuff, you're not ever going to regret going to Berea Pond. That's Berea Pond at 107 Clay Drive in the old IGA building across from near New Auto Center. Don't miss out. If you're from the area, you got to get into Berea Pond. We are Trisden and Ray. Having lived and spent time on the coasts and in rural Appalachia, we feel like we have a unique perspective on most topics. Working to find the common sense middle in a country becoming more and more polarized. Welcome to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. What is up, Ray? Trisden! Always good to see you. Yes, sir. Sort of. Again, sort of. <laughs> Most days. We're, we're seeing each other. Well, again, I don't mean that. You always, you, always, <laughs> you always misunderstand me. No, we're seeing each other electronically again. Yeah, you know we don't have to tell people. Let the magic of uh, the 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 modern fair vernacular, enough. Yeah, we don't have to tell them that we're we're technologying today. Conan O'Brien doesn't start the show with, "Yeah, we're not really here." It just so picture us in other rooms. But I just wish we could get better luck with our effing studios. What about the guy you work for? Shitty owns radio stations. Can we get a piece of one? I don't think he'd really- probably charge us. <laughs> well, I don't think the studio is a problem at the moment. I think, you know, we're going to be fine, kind of uh, adjacent to where we were at Dad's. He's just, uh, he's busy, and I knew we had a couple shows we needed to do on Riverside anyway, so I figured we'll give him a couple weeks to get everything set back up, and we'll we'll get back in. So I don't expect a, a, an issue of any kind. Cool. But nonetheless, so Ray, I've got to start the show today because my day was made uh, Tuesday, I went out to, to Galaxy, and you may know where I'm going with this. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking it's the free pizza you gave me, which made my day, which <laughs> also was pretty nice. I'm really pretty good excited. pizza. Yes, you guys make great pizza, but it really well, is good I, pizza. Well, I walked up to the bar to get something to drink, and a, a friendly young lady was standing there, and she kind of said, "Oh my God, you're the Trisden from the podcast." Ah. What a cool thing to occur in life to be known that is cool. for, for this silly little thing that we did. And uh, so I was, so uh, Mackenzie, I, I happen to know that you listen and uh, thank you so much. It, it made my day that, that, that you can tolerate this show because I'll tell you this. I know she's one of the employees that works uh, where, you know, where you work and nobody on my staff wants to hear me for an hour. So you must right. be doing something right over there. Oh, wow. She's just a very nice kid. She's probably being polite because I don't hear too much from anybody else. But <laughs> Well, she said she was she she listened to it, I guess, our most recent show as she was driving into work on Tuesday. So, uh, yeah, that was that, that was pretty great, man. Definitely. I probably it is. Three, or, three or four times that's happened where somebody's mentioned the show unprompted yes. and it's very, right. very cool. It is nice to hear from people, uh, you know, who say they've listened. Uh, and I guess the trick is to get them to listen more than once. But, you know, a couple of weeks back when I was telling you about my uh, sister contacting me to tell me that her niece had listened and then her and Mary had listened. And yeah, no, it, it is cool. It's good. So, so thank you to all. Thank you to all. We could probably literally individually list them all, but we won't. 
Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the 500 people a month. We'll, we'll just pull out a, a thank you. We should just do a thank you show every every month on how much we appreciate it. Yeah, there you but, go. But nonetheless, that, that is always really, really cool. And, uh, and we just appreciate you guys so much for, uh, for taking sure the do. time. So, yeah, and that's all that I've really brought today. So I just uh, I wanted that's it. to thank, We're done. thank Mackenzie and kind of end the show. That's cool. <laughs> Good enough. Yeah. But uh, what do you got, Ray? You, I've got a couple things written down here that, um, I don't know, stuff to talk about. Anything uh, pressing in your world? Uh, nothing pressing. We, I'll tell you what, this kind of bugged me, and I obviously won't name any names other than to say this was not Mackenzie, but we had, a, uh, we had an employee leave us this week, you know, in her 20s, um, and it was um, over – an incident that had happened. Now, public, uh, you know, dealing with the public, public service, if you will, is always tough. Dealing, you know, and uh, and I don't do a lot of it. I sit in the office and you know put out fires, whatever, whatever. So I'm sympathetic. People are, you know, people can be, people can be tough. But it was more on Lucas than it was me. I uh, we are in the process of buying a new vehicle and doing some test driving. And I had gone out to do a test drive, and I came back, and door was closed, which is rare. I tapped on the door and walked into the office. Lucas and I share an office and Lucas was seated with this employee and she was telling him about the incident and they had already been talking some. Um, and again, anybody who's listening will know who I'm talking about, but it wasn't specific to her. There's any number of 20 somethings this could have been. And Tristan, she was citing the victimization and the anxiety, the victimization that she felt and the anxiety that it caused, you know, enough that she had to leave her job. And it, I just always hearken back and it's where you sound like a curmudgeon, but you know, I'm of the generation who was raised by the generation that was children should be seen and not heard. And perhaps that wasn't great. Perhaps we suffered some long-term anxieties and travesties that haven't at least been examined in my life by parents who I always said, my parents played pinochle once a month at, it was the, the whites and the Moens, which was dad's sister, and the Tuies. And they would alternate houses. So every fourth month, they would be at our house. And I remember those nights vividly. I'm 12, 13, 14, and maybe younger than that. And the men laughing and carrying on, the women giggling. And, you know, as the night went on, they're drinking. It got louder. And these are small houses I grew up in. They're, you know, you're right on top of them. But, Tristan, I am not lying when I say you better have your arm hanging off to interrupt that group of adults, because they did not want to see you, hear you. It was, you know, seen and not heard. Get out of here. Leave us alone. This is adult time. My generation changed that. My generation made it all about the kids. I, and, and I have various uh, opinions as to why that is. I think there were less there were less children being born. I was one of five, right? And dad used to say, you know, the first time you see blood, you're, you're panicked. The second time it's not as bad by the third kid. You're like, don't get it on the carpet. Right. <laughs> so our entire world didn't, you, you know, take that back. My parents, our parents, entire world didn't revolve around us because we were one of five. And, you know, three was a small family back then. Three is a big family now. And frankly, my generation started to make more money, not because necessarily the individuals were making more money, but two people were working now, right? Women really joined the workforce in mass in the 80s. So again, two things happened in the 80s. My generation had more money, less kids, and we spoiled these kids and everything, you know, I'm just where I'm going to sound a little, um, 
I'm going to sound a little jaded, but everything became about the kids. I, and I've often said this, Tristan, and I, I'm not exonerating myself. Patty and I would travel when Raymond was a 10 or 12-year-old kid playing travel baseball, travel soccer. We would travel to Nashville or Clarksville, Tennessee or Northern Kentucky and spend two nights in a hotel room and all this money on food and so forth. And I've always said, you know, I am relatively certain my parents love me, but I know without a shadow beyond a shadow of a doubt that they would have not spent a weekend traveling to see little Buzzy play baseball or soccer any place. A, they couldn't have afforded it and B, they wouldn't have done it. My point to all this rambling is I think how that's manifested in these 20-somethings is everything's about them. Social media, your your go-to boogeyman didn't help them with, you know, Facebook and look at me and all the bullshit that they put on about themselves. And I don't know any nice way to say this, but as a father of two and a manager of 22 millennials, they're not a well-adjusted group of children mentally. How's that? <laughs> no, that. I think that's pretty fair. And again, I, I love being a uh, armchair parent. I love sitting back and knowing all the things parents do wrong as somebody that is not one, but it is fascinating. And I think the thing that I, and, and we may have talked about this on the show before it's quite possible. It feels to me as, as somebody, now I was an only child. I mean, I probably as spoiled as somebody could possibly be that was, well below the poverty line with always not having all the things, you know, without always having food, I was pretty spoiled, right. you know, as an only child. We didn't have food every night, but damn, I was spoiled. <laughs> like, I, I probably got my way, but, you know, right. we didn't we didn't have sure. stuff. But I think one of the things that I, I enjoyed, I, you know, I was ROTC, I was every sport I could play, I was in every team that I could be a part of. And so I feel like starting that at a very early age, you kind of begin to learn, A, you're not the absolute best at everything, and B, that there's something greater than yourself, like you're you're going for the good of the team. And now it, it feels very much like kids that were raised like this. They're all sort of very individualistic and a bit selfish. Not that they're all bad kids or anything like that, but they're a lot more in tune with what they want when they want it, as opposed to being like, oh, I can be patient and suffer for a while because it's for my job or, or what have you. It, it just feels like there's not a lot of give. There's not a lot of I can go out, think outside myself for somebody else with a lot of these kids. And that's not universal or to say that there's not wonderfully unselfish, thoughtful people. I mean, just look at McKenzie, right? So well, there's some yes, people. but that is a I mean, Trizan, you just spoke spoke a mouthful, as they like to say in these hills. That is, you couldn't be more accurate. And I will say this as a caveat: that doesn't always manifest itself in a negative way. These uh, younger people, Lucas and I talk about this often, and and you're at a really interesting age in your early forties. You're between the two groups, so you're between the boomers like me. And the millennials, like the, the, the folks that I manage at work. So you do have a little bit of objectivity. You, you kind of saw both of those. Um, but these kids will come in and ask slash demand more money where, and, and Matt and I, who are the same age, talk about it. Like we were so thankful to have a job at 18 or 19. You were completely dependent upon your employer. You would no more think about saying, I, I need more money than, you know, than, than gouging your eye out. You waited till he, she, typically he then approached you and said, hey, you've been doing a good job. Here's more money. Fuck, not these kids. If they want it, and 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 I say good for them. That that's that's something that's positive. It's part of that self esteem 
horseshit that they've all been had blown up their ass. Sometimes it, it works in a positive way. But I, I think I'm talking more about the um, the inability to process things, the inability to work through things without, you know, getting into all of the labels that we've heard come out of the world of psychiatry and all the different, you know, uh, isms and the, and the different, um, um, you know, afflictions and the, you know, sometimes, and I know this is harsh and I know I sound more like a World War II person, but I was raised by World War II people. Sometimes you got to grin and bear it. Sometimes you got to grin and bear it. Like I get, you know, wanting to make people feel better and I don't want anybody to come to work who feels threatened in any way. And, and I am sympathetic on all those counts, but I'll go back to sometimes you got to grin and bear it. And I don't know how much this generation of millennials has the ability to grin and bear it. Yeah. I would agree with that a hundred. How old do I sound, man? <laughs> well, it's certainly the argument of a guy who's not, you know, 25 for sure. But you just wonder. Oh, trust me, Triz. As you well know, I've told them all pretty plainly how I feel about that. <laughs> but, but I think the, the fascinating subject there for me at least is, and you, you already made the point, which is a phenomenal point. There is some really good parts about being able to say, I don't feel well today and I'm going to take, take a day or something. And again, even as a 43 year old part of me, like my eyes roll so far back in my head that like I get a headache thinking about somebody taking a mental health day from work because I, you know, I grew up a time and still kind of do like you got to work to eat. You've got to work to pay your bills. Like what's more important than that? Certainly not feeling very anxious for a day. Like you just go to work and, fucking shake all day and you're miserable and go home and drink and do it again the next day or whatever your personal vice is to feel a little bit better. But yeah, it is fascinating to think of, you know, how much of that is just great and how much of that is, you know, you worry about Russia and Russian soldiers, you know, sitting in 10 degree weather, just waiting to come invade because are we becoming a country of entitled pansies that are more worried about our emotions and feelings than, you know, being great. Remember Chris Rock's line? There ain't no lactose intolerance in Africa. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a first world thing. But yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it just struck me this week because that was a, an incident, but I live, it, it's become my life. And um, it, it's not, they're not, no, they're not 100% wrong. Yes, there's some wonderful um, uh, m- millennials. I hope that I have two as, as my children. Um, but it, it, in addition to grin and bear it, so that's a little more, that's, that's a little harsh. That, that is an old guy saying F you grin and bear it more importantly, I'm, I'm where I'm truly sympathetic is the amount of angst and anxiety that these people carry with them, Tristan. It is, it is, it is mind blowing how much fucking anxiety and the, how the weight of the world sits upon the shoulders of these young people. And it's like, God dang, man, how did we get to this place? And I have to look inwardly. I'm a person who's very introspective. So I have to look inwardly and say, wait, we can't put all this on these kids. We were the ones that raised them. So what did we do? So, you know, I I said some of that earlier in the show. Um, And, you know, frankly, participation trophies and, you know, so, so, so on and so forth. I get it, Tristan. You know, that was my left wing friends thinking they were making the world a better place. And, you know, I'm... 
I'm not a cynic, so I don't think everything is done, you know, just to fuck things up. Oh, didn't they know what they're? No, they actually thought, oh, this, here's a good idea. We don't want little Trisden or little Ray to be left out, so we're going to give them a trophy and everybody's going to feel better. Except that, in theory, wonderful. In practice, horseshit. Why? Because self-esteem doesn't come from someone telling you, hey, Trisden, you're really good. You know what self-esteem comes from? Actually doing something that's good. You actually have to earn self-esteem. It's it's really much the same with money. You know, that's why so many uh, offspring of wealthy kids, uh, people are fucked up kids because you can't give people something. You have to earn it. And that's where the left went wrong. And I do blame the left for that. I'm sorry. And I'll have that debate with any left winger that wants to come on. And, and, and I will tell them, look, I get it. It was, you know, self-esteem, uh, building self-esteem and participation trophies and all that nonsense. Wonderful idea when they came up with it in the 90s. Now we have 25, 30 years to look at it. Horrible in practice. Well, let me make a point on top of that, Ray, because I would just like to pile on to this left-wing ideology about participation trophies Kids always getting their way and always being right. It's eventually going to lead to one of these left-wing kids that's going to run for president and lose and won't admit it because he's so entitled as, as, a, as a person because of his participation trophies that he'll never have to say, okay, I didn't actually lose an election. So my fear, Ray, so yes, please blame the left. We're the only ones that do that. We're the only ones that are entitled and, and a group of babies that so yes, I, I think there's two sides to that. Yeah. No, that that's right. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, and I've often said this, Triz, I am um a, a center left individual. I, I would I would consider myself more of a pragmatist than any kind of political label, wh whether you want to call me a, a liberal or a socialist or whatever. I think I'm a pragmatist. I've heard Mars say that about himself. And, I'm, and I believe that's the case. I'm a pragmatist, that's which true. is to say you look at the evidence in front of you and you come to a reasonable conclusion. But where I'm at my most conservative is in child rearing and in education. Because I think those are two places where there's not a lot of margin for error. Some of the other stuff you can kind of work out. But if you don't, if, if you're not there early on with education and, and just with the way kids are raised, you're going to wind up with some fucked up kids, <laughs> frankly. And I think we've, I think societally, the left uh, took over both those areas. And when, when conservatives say, you know, the schools are filled with liberals, you know, they're not actually wrong, you know, especially college campuses. There is a lot of left-wing sentiment. Sure. And again, I'm not picking on the left for what they attempted to do. I think it was noble. I think it was a grand experiment. I think there's a lot to be said for an effort to build people's self-esteem. Irony is they made the anxiety levels go through the roof. And again, as I said before, in accordance with social media, which nobody's studied yet, it's still too new. It's still in its infancy. Social media, I think, we're going to be told, has been a net detriment to people's mental health. Okay, so so my question uh, on the heels of that is I personally, from 21 to 25, this six-ish, dealt with a shitload of, of anxiety. And, and, and in hindsight clearly probably would have had a much easier five-year run had I just been medicated. Now, looking back, <laughs> su super glad that, you know, that I didn't uh, take medicine and was able to kind of white knuckle it for half a decade. But, you know, I wasn't given participation trophies and, uh, you know, I certainly don't feel like I was uh, over 
you know, spoiled and, and doted over anything like that necessarily. So, you know, and, and I would say I had a, a parent who was dependent, uh, alcoholic, drug addict. So I could probably liken some of that there, that, that some of that anxiety came from that and kind of learning to deal with life, you know, as an adult post a, a, a dependent parent like that. But I mean, what else? What what would it be? Like, what's my situation? I, I don't know. Would that be it? Because I, I don't feel like I was of that all about me generation. And yet I certainly dealt with a lot of that. Well, did you ever examine it? Did you ever talk to an analyst? Did you ever see where, what the source of the anxiety was? Yeah, I, I did. And, and of course, I mean, I think you walk in the door and they start asking you about your parents, right? So that's kind of, mm. so, so I would certainly assume based on Freud and early mental health that they kind of bring most everything probably back to your parents or childhood trauma. So yeah, I mean, they never said, you know, you probably deal with this because of that. They didn't put A and B together in that way, but yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating. And I'm sure it's probably something people have dealt with for a long time, but you look at the Sopranos and Tony Soprano going in to see an analyst. It was a thing that a 30 years ago guys wouldn't have done. And probably even now a lot of people don't talk about it. So it really was so taboo to, to a do, but then B talk about that. It was, you know, kind of one of those things that you're sort of punished, punished for really. Right. Uh, certainly as a guy. Yes. To try and, and figure, it, figure it out and kind of get, you know, be more functional. I think maybe 40 years ago, people would just get drunk and beat their wife and go to jail, right? As opposed to actually deal with their own emotions and try to figure out what's going on. No, that's a great point. I think you are giving me a rhetorical middle finger and you old fat fuck. <laughs> Listen, you're of a generation that you don't get us. I didn't have all that shit and I still had anxiety. And I'm not discounting that. Obviously, we've had anxiety. I mean, you know, one of the tragedies, uh, Lucas, I, uh, Lucas, Jesus Christ, Trisden, I, I do that with names. It comes from my mother, Tommy, Buzzy, blah, 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 and then she'd finally get your name. But, um, you know, I, I often say to Lucas that one of the, tra <laughs> I did it again. I've said to uh, one of the, you know, being being a, a, a offspring of a decorated World War II vet, my dad earned a pur Purple Heart in the Battle of the Bulge, hit in January of 1945, um, is those guys came home, Triz, and nobody paid them any mind. And, and it was it was made worse by the fact that we were the victors. I'm using air quotes. We were the victors. So if you were someone in 1946, 78, who was home with what would then have probably been called shell shock, you know, Carlin does this whole bit on euphemisms, you know, World War One shell shock like that's it's, it's alliterative and it you know what it means, shell shock. And then it went to something else. And now it's, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. Now it's four words that you don't understand. Like shell shock, man, that hit you right, right in the gut. You knew what shell shock meant. Yeah. You had nowhere to turn. First of all, where were you? Uh, well, how dare you have any kind of uh, uh, angst over this? We won that war. We're the victors. We're the greatest country in the world. We just went out there and proved it on the battlefield. I, I mean, you... And I think about my own dad, who I know suffered from psychological problems. And of course, they kept that shit from you as a kid. That's another difference, Tristan, yeah. that I think is, I'm not sure how to grade that difference. Like, I think my dad 
in the 70s, was having psychiatric problems and actually went to an analyst. And I didn't know anything about it till years later. Now, my oldest sister, Kathy, may have. She's 12 years my senior. And then when my mom had cancer, they didn't tell us. They didn't gather the family together and share the news. I think I would do that with my family now. You know, I think that's a little bit different. Yeah. But that stoicism isn't always great either because sometimes you need somebody to talk to. Sometimes you need somebody to turn to and, and ask sure. questions as to what's going on in my life. Yeah, I get that. I don't want to sound too, you know, too uh, steadfast in my defense of, you know, you got to grin and bear it. I mean, I, I get that people have problems. I've got, I've got plenty myself. So yeah, if I came across that way, I, I, I would ask to, um, you know, I, I, I don't know, ask to forgive me on that if I came across sounding too harsh. But things can swing too far. And I think maybe the pendulum right now has swung a little too far. Yeah, And I would say, no, I didn't take any offense, certainly, to what you said. But to me, it's almost like you probably take mental illness and you could very much liken it to homosexuality, right? Like, like in the 1980s, there was probably a few famous homosexuals and you knew it existed but I don't think you probably realized the level at which it existed because there was no social media and you didn't see pride parades probably, you know, in every major city, probably until 2000, I'm guessing. So the same with mental health, right? Like so many people dealt with depression. So many people dealt with anxiety. So many people dealt with this stuff. But you weren't going to go on a platform like this and tell your friend, oh, yeah, I've talked to a counselor and, you know, I dealt with depression or whatever, whatever it was. So I definitely think. Like these are the, type, the types of things that just weren't weren't talked about. I don't think there's more anxiety among 20 year olds. They just feel safer to have those conversations now. Well, that is the nub of this nub. Is that right? That is the gist of this discussion. And and I will I will defer to you on that, Tristan. If you think that there was just as much anxiety amongst uh, uh, adolescents and 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 uh, young adults in the 1920s, as there are in the 2020s, I can't argue that. Um, though I might say, I'm not sure. I think that a lot of what society has attempted to accomplish, because we do have to look at where we are now. Participation trophies are fairly new. Uh, didn't exist when I was young. You lost, you lost. And, and but see, here's what's get here to me is what gets lost in that, Tristan, is that the best lessons in life come from loss. They don't come from wins. The best lesson in life comes from losses on the sports field, losses in the classroom, and of course, the ultimate losses in friends and family when people die. The best lessons in life come from loss. You can't be protected from them. And sort of part and parcel of that building of the self-esteem is protecting kids. You know, the old story of the oven, you know, the kid, mom protects him, protects him, protects him. And then he just gets hurt on something else where dad says, and I shouldn't be sexist and put it into those terms, but somebody else says, let him put his hand on the oven because he'll do it one fucking time. Why? Because he learns. You know, so you got you, you to gotta get some of those painful lessons in your life. Now, again, this comes from a guy who lost his mom at 19. I get it. Perhaps I was a little bit jaded. I've never been to an analyst, a psychiatrist. I'm certain that that would be a, a, a huge topic, and, and I'm certain that I would benefit greatly from that exchange with someone. 
So maybe I was a bit jaded on that. But to me, you know, that bit of protection from loss, like not everything is going to go the way you want it in your fucking life. Do you understand that? That's the frustration that I get that I think is different, Triz. Like I get the anxiety. We're humans. We're all anxious. But now it's sort of like, oh, we want to be protected and we need to protect. No, let them burn their hand on the fucking oven because they'll only do it once. Now, I don't, if that's too harsh, I'm sorry, but that's really the way I feel. No, and, and I don't take away from that. I, you know, I'm, I'm looking and playing a little bit of devil's advocate uh, because I think there's it's such a broad issue. But no, I don't think there's any question. You know, I, it is. Again, to, to, to your point, you know, you guys were cared a whole shitload more about you and Patty cared about your kids' feelings a whole shitload more than your parents cared about your feelings, right? Like you guys, oh yeah, you went to every game. They, you know, it's it's it is a different world. So I'm I'm not discounting that, and and I would say this too. Like the kids in the 20s and 30s, I you know I can't speak to that, but I'm sure those kids were getting out of school, coming home, and either working or running around the neighborhood all day. Like you also being physical and being out you get to run off and burn off a lot of the anxiety and a lot of wow. the stuff that you deal with. Like there's not, That's a great like, you probably wouldn't find a lot of tobacco farmers, kids that are sitting around dealing with anxiety because I mean, if you're working, you know what I mean? If you're actually That's great. physically doing stuff all day. I mean, I think a lot of the anxiety comes from sitting, you know, we're eating shitty foods and then we're sitting in a classroom for eight hours, you know, and then you're going home and you're playing video games. Or you're, you know, you're sitting Tristan, watching TV. So this is what I, this is what I always say about this podcast. You make much better points than I do. I've never heard any. I've really, literally, never heard that point made. Have you, or did you just come up with that on the sperm of the moment here? No, that was just part of the moment. Uh, that that's a that's a wonderful thought. I that's a wonderful thought. I think. I mean, the fact that a physical activity would keep your mind occupied, and you don't have that time to really and I know this will sound negative, do the woe is me stuff is is really, and, and certainly that was my generation. God damn, we were active. I mean, Tris, when I was a kid, here's how your mother punished you. She kept you inside. Right. That's yeah. no shit. Like, you're not going out today. What? What do you mean I'm not going? What the fuck am I going to do in the house? I mean, I have to right. go out. You can't punish me by keeping me in. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a really wonderful analysis. I would love people to weigh in on that. That's fantastic. Thank you. And, and I would say, too, like if I look back being in my early 20s and dealing with the anxiety that I dealt with, I mean, you could almost draw a straight line from a guy that was in the gym playing basketball every night for three hours to, OK, you're in the real world. You're, you've got a job. You're not as active. I mean, I've you know still played sports for years, but I mean, it's different from having three or four hours of activity every day to, you know, more of a sedentary, sedentary lifestyle of, you know, games and watching TV and being in, in a house. So, I mean, I definitely think there's a, a discussion to be had about that being a part of, you know, the more time uh, Bill Clinton made a good point in his autobiography. It was, uh, so I'm going to butcher the shit out of it, but it was something uh, basically to the effect of it's, it's good for a dog to have fleas to remind him that he's a dog, which I think, there you go. Yeah. Just sort of, yeah. I, Did you I, make it through that autobiography, Tristan? My Life, it was called. I still have it downstairs. Bill Clinton liked Bill Clinton. I mean, that book started, you know, I was born at an early age. I mean, it was every fucking detail. I mean, it's I'm, I'm holding up my fingers probably two inches apart. That book was a tome. I cannot say I made it through. 
Yeah, I did finish it. I did. I did. Oh, good up. for you, man. No, I good didn't for sit you. down and do it overnight. I probably took three months. No, which you is couldn't. Kind of how I read, but yeah, that, that it was. Uh, it was interesting. Now, speaking of reading, I'm 30 pages into Owen King, and I, you know, you obviously you jaded me a bit. This goes back a couple episodes where Tristan had asked me if I. And I, I don't think at that point I had even known uh, of Owen King. This is Stephen King's son. And Trizen read a book. Gosh, the title's escaped me, Triz. What's the title? Oh, The Curator. The Curator. And I'm about 30 pages in because, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, in addition to not being the fastest reader, I'm also reading different shit like magazines and articles. And now I find myself reading a lot on, on my phone. Hey, welcome to the 21st century, fat boy. Because, you know, I've got a couple of subscripts on there, uh, uh, Washington Post, Politico. So I read a bunch of shit on my phone. So I'm reading a lot of different things. So I'm only about 30 pages in. I just find it a little convoluted. Like, gosh, dang it, he throws a lot at you. Yeah, and I think it's that sort of feeling is the overwhelming uh, arch of the book for the first three, uh, maybe was it 500 pages? So it's like the first half of the book. Like the first half of the book is kind of like, we're going to throw some more shit at you. We're going to throw some more at you. And like, you really don't even know what's going on until page 300. And then you're like, oh, well, I don't even really like it. And it's just. Like, <laughs> now I know what's going on and I don't care. Oh, yeah. Like, That's okay, funny. well, now that I get what's going on, it's just dumb and uninteresting. So I, I'm so happy you're in, you're, you're in it a little bit. And I do look forward, hopefully on the podcast of hearing, uh, what you think? All right, so let's trade. Uh, let, let's switch subjects off of children, and I'll let you do that. Oh. But I'll, 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 I'll change. I'll, no, please. Can I make one quick point? And, and I will say sure. this, and I think anybody that's ever played sports on any level, you know, I remember the first participation ribbon I ever got. It was a green ribbon for a, a, a grade school field day, and all the kids got a green ribbon that showed up and did a, an activity or a sport in front of everybody. And I just remember thinking at six, seven years old, who the fuck wants this green ribbon that doesn't signify that I did anything? And, you know, people and certainly right-wing, right-wing talk shows make a big deal about participation trophies. They and do. Maybe there's this whole element of kids that are so proud of those. I don't know that, at least for me, I was not embarrassed to get it, but I was like, who cares? Are there kids that are like, I'm so special because I showed up. Here's my ribbon. That's never well, talked about, but I never found it to be impressive. Even that's a great a question. Small child. That's a great question too, Tristan. And, and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Right. I, I don't know. I, I think probably most kids would be in, in line with, with your view on that. But this was a uh, Again, I hate to put it on in political terms, but this was largely driven by the left. You just hit the nail on the head. The right has made hay out of these issues, in my opinion, rightly so. But that was left wingers. Again, keep in mind, like most things left wingers do, all of it with noble intent. I sit no judgment on the intent. This is where I'm different uh, than a conservative who will say, ah, they fucked everything up and they knew what they were doing. No, they th- were trying to make a society better. I get it. The fact that they fell well short, I think is probably on the adults, not on the kids. Yeah. Well, you know, and again, another uh, Trisden example. I remember uh, maybe sixth grade. I was is this whole show going to be about you? No, I'm just Let's kidding. just make it about me, please. It, uh, <laughs> I remember my mom bought me a trophy uh, was uh, one year in Little League, I think it was sixth grade. I, I was ar- arguably the best pitcher on the team. 
in sixth grade, and my mom. Oh, you can say that. Hell, you pitched well, in college. You can say that. Yeah. Okay. So I was the best pitcher of my sixth grade. <laughs> and, I love uh, it. <laughs> and and, and at, at our award, awards day, I did hmm. not get a trophy for being the best pitcher on the team that year. Ah. So I remember my mom bought me a trophy. And I just remember thinking, and I was probably a little prick to her about it. I mean, I hope I wasn't, God rest mom's soul. But I remember like, this doesn't mean anything because it wasn't from the coaches. It wasn't from the team. And so again, I'd like to hear, I'd love if there was a kid that just said, I'm the, the, the participation trophy kid, I'm entitled to everything. And it meant something to me because I just wonder if there's this element that it really mattered so much to get a trophy from your mom. Because I that made no sense to me. I don't think so, Tristan. I think you've, it's another great point you've made. I think most kids, if you were able to poll them to take another political term, uh, would probably be in, a, in agreement with you. Like so, in, in probably intuitively and instinctively, just as a human, you understand that pride, confidence, self esteem comes from actually accomplishing things, not from right. being told that you're good at something. That's good. All right. Yeah. So we will change topics, but I'll leave you with this story just to show you what a miserable prick I am. So keep, <laughs> oh, keep in mind for that, Ray. You're yeah, keep, keep in mind that I told you earlier that if the adults were gathered in a room, you would no more walk into that room than, you know, poke your eye out unless literally you needed stitches. You know, there was never call Buzzy, come show Aunt Jean what you learned in school or your, you know, your new batting stance or whatever. Okay. So that's the mindset from which I emanate. So we're at our good friend, Heavy D's house, probably, Five years ago, his young daughter, Lily, is 10. So she's probably five years old. And and it's not Mr. And Mrs. White, which is another whole thing I could go off on. I think society changed when we stopped using Mr. or Mrs. Or at least, you know, Miss Bill, uh, Mr. Bill or, or Miss Marie to, you know, Pat and Buzz are here. Don't call me Pat. Don't, don't call my wife Pat. Don't call me Buzz. You're five years old. We're not on the same level. Don't put us on the same level. But I digress. So he calls in Lily to show us. Her new dance move. It's it's Dave and his wife Stephanie, Dave's mom, me and Patty. So Lily comes in in her little tutu and she's dancing in the living room. So I text Dave, because that's a fun use of phones now. Dave, <laughs> can I tell her Santa Claus isn't real? <laughs> and he just goes berserk. He doesn't even text me back. He's like, fuck you, you asshole. Lily, just go into your room. They don't give a shit about what you're doing. That's a true story. <laughs> So that's me. Uh. <laughs> but but uh, I think a, a great point, Ray, that you do make, and, and it's it's uh, we could yeah change the subject whatever you want. But you do kind of <laughs> miss the days when you didn't have to feel like as an adult you were equal to every nine year old because you're not. You've lived one of the worst life. things that's. Right. One of the worst things that society has done, and if you want to call me an old curmudgeon, go ahead and call me an old curmudgeon. That is exactly right. You, Trisden Reynolds, at 42, out in the working world, are not equal to a nine-year-old kid. So don't call him Trisden. Call him Mr. Reynolds. And I, again, I blame my generation for saying, oh, Mr. White was my dad. Just call me Ray. Just call me Buzz. Fuck, call me Ray or Buzz. Call me Mr. Yeah. No, I, here's a, a quick uh, a quick sidebar. I've I, We've got a kid that's, uh, I think he's still going to EKU that works at Wallingford with me. Uh, he wants to do a little bit of sales, obviously no experience. He's 20, 21-ish, super wonderful kid. Like I really, really, really like this kid. Um, I told him I would go on a sales call with him. Now, then maybe this is me overreacting or thinking uh, differently than I should. 
But I went to this the sales call with this kid, and my thought was when we went to go that he's going to watch me and learn something. But the fascinating thing was is I went with him to this meeting, and from the time we walked in until the time we left, I didn't get a word in. Wow. And I just thought, you know, there was no – this is a guy that's been successful in sales for two decades. I'm just going to let him talk and I'm going to make some mental notes. You know, and even, you know, I've got salespeople that, you know, maybe 10, 15 years younger than me. None of them give a fuck what I do and I'm making double or triple the amount of money they are. And that blows me away because I do like to learn from people. I want, if you're somebody that can make me happier or more successful or smarter, Please, like I will sit back. Like if I had a day with Mark Cuban, I wouldn't do a lot of talking. I would just try to absorb that. If my uh, Uncle Pat and my Aunt Sue and I spend time with them, like yeah, it's an exchange, but they have a lot more to offer me than I have to offer them. And of I, impossible, and, of, of impossible meets fame. Let's throw right. our plug in. Yeah. So you do, and you feel like to that end, kids think they're as smart as you are. And maybe they- well, I think that's a great point, Tristan. Yeah. And 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 I again, I couldn't have told you this at, at at 22 or even 42, but at 62, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, you can be a very very intelligent 21 year old, very sure. intelligent 30 year old, but you don't have wisdom because yeah. wisdom is not innate. Wisdom is garnered from life experiences. So shut up, young man, and listen to the guy who's been out there for 20 years and learn from him. You don't have it all figured out. You see how that works. Yeah. And, th- and that is a fascinating thing. And I-, I feel like that has been a generational shift where it's more, you know, I'm going to do this and you just maybe give me some pointers as opposed to let me learn from somebody that is clearly successful or better at something than me. Like, I don't know. It It is bizarre to see a, a whole lot more of that. Hey, here's a question for you. You think Aaron and Tony are kind of proud of me in this show? I think right. You know what? They're proud of you every show. They they, just, <laughs> so, they love. I mean, I hear how conservative I sound in this, but you know what, Tristan? Conservatives aren't always wrong. Let's make sure oh, we no, make let, let, let's make sure we state that fact. Conservatives are right about a lot in this world. A hundred percent. And and I think, you know, part of the show, uh, if not a bulk of the show, like I, I don't I don't see a scenario in life where I'm ever gonna say, Okay, I get MAGA and I'm really behind Trump. You no, know, but no, to, to, I'll say the words that you are going to say. I've been, lived uh, many conservative parts of my life. I've been a one one woman husband my whole life with no divorce, you know, for 15 plus years. I get up every day and go go to work. And don't you know, and I know it? <laughs> I, I work through <laughs> sickness. I, you know, I there's nothing about me that is. You know, I, I'm anti-abortion in my own house, right? There's a lot of things that I'm very conservative about. I, there I you go. Don't, I just don't always feel like necessarily I've lived the lives of folks I don't understand to kind of tell them how to live. It's not like I'm extremely conservative in my heart, in my house. I just also would rather everybody have the, the ability to make those, you know, other decisions to, to be uh, less conservative if they like. All right. So we'll switch. Wonderful. We'll switch. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I so we'll switch off picking on kids and we'll move to MAGA since you brought it up. I was thinking about this the other day. Can't go one you know, show without going MAGA. Well, there's just so much division and so much. You know, it, it's just it's awful, frankly. Um, what's the chances? We know a lot of MAGA folks who are great folks. What's the chances, Tristan, that they truly do believe that Trump 
was picked on from the jump, like like the left, you know, the mainstream media, as Sarah Palin, I guess, first started, the lamestream media, I think was hers, <laughs> which is kind of a kick because Fox has bigger numbers than any of them, and they're somehow yeah. – somehow try and convince us they're outside of the fucking mainstream. Be that as it may. (laughs) Is it possible that people of the MAGA mindset are not just insane, but they thought that, when did you stop beating your wife, sir? They thought that, um, that Donald was picked on from the jump and that, you know, tit for tat, like we're, we're going to defend him at all that okay you said last week the use of the word cult is done in a very derogatory fashion by people who are generally assholes when they use that term because they're trying to poke and prod and i use cult all the time to refer to maga so let's take it out of the context of a cult and say that it's a group of people who think that he was speaking to them and was saying the things that they thought and all the left did was beat the ever-living shit out of this guy and so They're going to defend him at all costs because you guys on the left started this, not us. You never gave Trump a chance. You never gave him an opportunity to do anything. You had it in for him from the jump. He was illegitimate, Donnie. He colluded with the Russians. He did all this shit that some of which you were never even able to prove, and you never backed off of that, so fuck you. No, I I think that's kind of it in a nutshell. I just think, you know, the problem is, and, you know, it's easy for me to say, but, you know, it's it's Stanley Kubrick in Clockwork Orange, right? It's you're putting a mask over your face and you're getting this media over and over. Anybody that puts themselves in a media, themselves in a media bubble, or, uh, us included, we have biases that are completely wrong and we don't know it. Like, I feel like not most or all. But look, we're biased in a way because of the media we ingest. And it's just sort of the same kind of thing on the right, that if the only thing you're hearing is, Donald Trump's truth social account or his Twitter or, you know, the pundits on, on Fox News at night or Newsmax and all your friends are MAGA or you've hidden all the ones that aren't, you're just going to be getting this stuff that stokes this fire. You have to, to me, if you want to be in the middle with us, if you want to, to see things differently, you've got to turn it on different channels. You've got to follow different social medias. You've got to follow the normies on the other side, right? The normal folks that you disagree with to kind of say, okay, I could, I could uh, see that there, there's a pretty good point somewhere in there. And, and, you know, I think what you're seeing now is people just and what makes it cult like is if Donald Trump says it, it's the truth. There's no, well, I really like what he did here, but he, you know, he said that the wall's done and it's factually provable that it's not done. So I just think that you, you're really stretching your, your mental capacity And again, maybe it's just about owning the libs. Like, I'm just going to agree with them because it pisses you off and I'm throwing a bumper sticker on my truck and go to hell. Well, yeah, no, that's again, that's what we always say. But I'm trying to broaden that question a little bit and say, all right, so so let's just do some math. You always joke. I didn't think math was going to be a part of this. But let's say uh, um, the country divides 40, 40, 20, 40 Democrats, 40 Republicans, 20 independents don't vote either way, whatever, or, or will vote either way. Um, uh, so half of that 40%. So what you might be looking at 40, 50 million true MAGA people, just throwing that out there without getting my calculator out. Okay. So let's say it's 50 million, make the, make the number round. Um, can't be 50 million lunatics. There's, there's five or 10 who are fucking, you know, QAnon 
crazy, want to upset the libtards, yada, yada, yada. But there has to be some number in there, and perhaps it's not insignificant, of people who feel as reasonable people, who feel as though this guy was never given an opportunity. And you know what? If you'd have just listened to him, he had some good ideas. He had a business background. But see, you talk about media bias, Tris, and you and I are such that we can't ever get to that place because... Lawrence O'Donnell, Rachel Maddow, Chris Hayes, most of CNN is never going to allow you to entertain that thought for a moment because that's that's you know that's higher that's a heresy. You can't you can't entertain that thought if you have any left leanings that there was anything good about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a piece of shit, and the faster you learn that, the better off you're going to be. Don't ever say anything good about him because there's nothing good to be said about him. And that's become the narrative on the left now. So, you know, that's where we each find ourselves. And perhaps Trump was the absolute wrong messenger because you needed somebody who didn't have his ego, who didn't have his tenderness, who, let me say, wasn't the snowflake that Donald is, because he took all of that and, and, and made it about him instead of making about the movement, instead of saying, hang on a second, you know what? You lefties never examined any of this. You just jumped to all these conclusions. No, he just made it all about himself. And that's how you wind up with a cult. But I, you know, I just found myself thinking about that the other day. Like, we're never going to solve any of this unless we each reach out a little bit. And maybe it is that the left just treated him in the most irrespect, uh, with with the most lack of respect that you could have, and perhaps we should. I think now it's too late to back off of that. I think now he has to go away, and we have to try, you know, try and do it with different people. Frankly, and Joe should probably go away as well, for Christ's sake. I don't know. I mean, I, I get if, if we want to be a little bit ageist on Joe. I mean, shit, you can say the same thing about Trump. They're both pretty fucking old. Like, yeah, if if that's going to be a thing that we do. Um, but I don't know. Again, I, I think we can dislike Biden. I think it's a false equivalency to, again, say somebody that is trying to overthrow our, our way of democracy versus somebody that fucking falls on his bicycle and sucked getting our soldiers out of Afghanistan. And, and, and I like what you're saying because I like having that conversation. I like saying to those to, to folks we disagree with. Tell me what I'm missing. Like, let's talk about that. Like how, you know, and there is, look, there's a right. lot of that, but there was a lot of right. that with Obama. I, I saw right. like 20 minutes the other day, which was kind of Fox News anchors just losing their mind on Obama's tan suit. So it's not like all of a sudden everybody's treated presidents respectful. It's just been a wonderful situation. And all of a sudden Donald Trump came along and we're really disrespectful and mean. Now, Kathy Griffith cutting his head off in that uh a photo photography shoot. Look, it was too far. There's a lot of comedians that have went too far. There was a lot of racist shit said about Obama. People said he looked like a monkey Fair. on on Fair. some news programs and stuff. Like, look, it's it's been bad. Like politics has always been a bit bad. I, I don't agree with a lot of the negativity thrown at Trump uh, in advance of January sixth. Um, but again, there was a lot of bad stuff that that we've always sort of thrown on opposite sides. So, no, yeah, I, yes. I, I, Is some I, of the Trump stuff unfair? Yes, some of it was unfair. Just like the tan suit week for Obama was a bit unfair. Wasn't that big of a deal. But he looked good in it, man. He did. But he still, but look, we, we still have to talk about things like January 6th. We still have to talk about yeah. him on tape saying, find that 11,000 votes. Yeah. Well, that overrides all of it. And and I think my brother would say to me, you're, you're on the moon. He, he was the guy that he was. But let me throw this out there. 
Would Donald Trump in 2016 have tried to steal an election or, or was it after four years of just having the absolute shit knocked out of him that he said, fuck these people? And I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just asking. You know, I think I, I already said maybe it's a rhetorical question because my brother would say, man, you're on the moon, brother. That's yeah. Donald Trump was that yeah. guy from the jump. That's who he is. That That's what you need to understand about him. And don't take a, a minute or one more breath trying to find any defense for him. And well, and what makes brother. it. What's that? I'll side with your brother on that. Okay. I, mean, I think Donald okay. Trump said in 2016, when asked uh, in a national interview, if you lose, uh, you know, are you going to accept the election results? That was in 2016, right? He said, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how the election goes on whether or not I accept the results. So this is not something that after four years yeah. of being really mad at the people who didn't like him, uh, that he's going to, you know, he in 2016 said he wouldn't necessarily, he wouldn't go on record as saying he would accept the results. So he said in, in 2020, he said, I'll either win or it was rigged in advance of the election. People don't see that. Like this is stuff. He told you who he was. This is not a guy that said the morning after, oh, wait a minute. There's some looks like maybe the election was rigged. He said it four years before that, and he said it again in advance of the election. Either I win or it w I was ripped off. So Yeah, okay. Man, I can't argue that. BS. That's a fair point. All right, brother. What else you got? Oh, man. Well, I've got some really big topics, but I don't know. I, the fucking racist shooting this week was kind of ugly. Um, In I, Jacksonville? I, yeah, and I blame all that. Again, I'll jump on social media. I think these fucking crazies being able to round up and be in their racist clubs and, you know, be among like-minded people. I think maybe 20 years ago, these people don't all find, you know, people that tell them, yeah, you're right. White is right. You know, fuck the blacks, fuck the Jews. Um, let's shoot them up if we can. I don't know that those groups were as easy to find. I'm sure the Klan was active at that point. And, mm -hmm. you know, you could find some of these people in dusty library basements once a month or something. But I think the accessibility of these people to find like-minded crazies enables them and sort of prompts them to go out and kill people. What are you fucking mad at at 21 years old that you want to go kill some black folks that you've never met? I mean, it's just sickening to me. I concur hundred percent and really have very little to add. Sickening. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been mad at individual black people in my life. I've been mad at individual Jews and Irish and whites but like the thought of, you know, I've, I've always said, this is my thing. I, you know, if I, if I know the way my mind works and if I was going to go crazy and I felt like, you know what, I'm going to kill myself and I really want to take some motherfuckers with me, I would go find people that I knew that had done horrible things. I would, I would, mm. grab, I would print out the sex offender registry, for example, then maybe go take out a dozen of those bastards. Like the, the, you could walk into a dollar general and just kill innocent human beings. I mean, there's just a level of awful, crazy hatred. That 21 years old, it just, I can't even fathom why you would want to be that or be no. a part of a group that preaches about that, even if you know you're not going to do it. Right. Yeah, no, I, I can't, uh, I, I tried my best to give a little defense of Trump. There is no defense of that. So, yeah. You know, and he's gone. He took himself out. But yeah, it's just, it's just God awful. I mean, yeah. good God. Yeah, it's, it's just hard. I just, I don't know. I mean, we all get mad at people individually, but 
I, I yeah, and I, and I would amend that. I would agree with you. Uh, I've been mad at blacks. I've been mad at Jews. I've been mad at uh, Puerto Rican. Never mad at an Irishman. You can't get mad at an Irishman. They're God's people. Man. Those, they're truly the chosen people, the, yes. the Irish. Hold up. Is Kelly Wallingford Irish? Because if so, Ray, I think English. English. way off on that one. English. Uh, English. Okay. okay. He doesn't know. Don't Fair make enough. that mistake. Right. He's a waspy mother foe. <laughs> He's redheaded, though. That's a redheaded. He does have red hair. There's a little Irishman in the wood pile somewhere. There's a little leprechaun there pumping somebody's leg. Lucky from Lucky Charms is is in there. Somewhere, <laughs> yeah. so. um, uh, I, I guess we could do the maybe the most important issue of our time. Uh, if you ask liberals, uh, certainly feels very climate changey right now with half of Hawaii burning down and this hurricane hitting shore in August in, uh, in Florida, right? I mean, you would certainly think so, Tristan. I mean, there's always been hurricanes and there always will be, but yeah, there seems to be some crazy shit going on. The water temperatures, you know, approaching a hundred freaking degrees. That's uh, you know, hurricanes feed off of warm water, which is why they are a late summer, early autumn event. You know, September is the biggest month of hurricanes because the water's been heated up all summer, thereby giving more energy um, to, to the to the storm. So water temperatures are, I, I don't know if they're at all time highs, but maybe the highest in recorded history. And that that's not a good thing. Now, yeah. is it is it is it man is it is has man had some influence on that? Yes, you would certainly have to think so. You know, I mean, even for the most ardent anti uh, environmental change person, you would just ask this simple question again. To me, would seem to be a rhetorical question, but has 150 years of man burning fossil fuel had a negative, positive, or negative effect on the planet? I mean, that's just kind of a straightforward question. Like even the most, you know, at some right. point, I guess you just go, yeah, it probably hasn't been the best thing for the planet, has it? Uh, no. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's just smoking cigarettes for a human, right? It's like, yeah, right. there's a few folks that are going right. to stick around and live to 108 right. smoking two packs a day. Right. More often than not, you know, if you spend your life smoking cigarettes, it just matters to your body. So I right. don't know how you could really come up with an argument other than magic or God that, you know, how it doesn't hurt the planet to pollute it. It feels as though that's just logical. And again, I'm not smart enough, Ray, to sit back and, and throw out a bunch of facts. Maybe if I studied this for a week and this was the, the show topic, but I do have the luxury of having a family or a portion of my family who's dedicated their entire uh uh, professional existence, the impossible foods, uh, to trying to save the planet. And, uh, and they are scientists. So I have right. the luxury of having actual climate scientists in my family that can talk to me and, and speak in a way that's not, uh, you know, um, just polarized politics speak. It's no, it is. It's real. That's not just this. That's not just emotional. Right. It's not, well, my clan thinks that it's bullshit right. and we're just trying to keep people from getting jobs or whatever. You know, it's right. actual literal facts and it's science, it's data. It's not, you know, I don't want it to be real and you can't prove it. It's, it's what is real. So based on having people much smarter than me tell me about it, it feels as though pretty big deal, uh, maybe the biggest deal. Uh, maybe the biggest deal, right. Yeah. So, and again, right. not for us, we'll be fucking dead. But your kids and your grandkids and a lot of people that I care about, my nieces and nephews, like it's going to be in their lifetime that it's going to matter. So, yeah, sad stuff. Yeah, I mean, it certainly doesn't seem to be getting any better or, or you know, any lessening. And if you lis listen to the science people, their, their, their warnings are pretty dire.
Yeah. So, oh, here's one, right? Because I haven't completely made the show about me. I've got a story that I can tell you about last night. And you can tell me what you would do. I'd like to get your opinion. Went to a concert last night in Cincinnati, Riverbend Show. Finished up the concert and got an Uber ride back to the hotel. Because if I go to a concert, I like to have four or five uh, Zimas. And I don't want to drive a car after four or five Zimas. So I, I Zimas? Yeah, you, know, you, you remember Zimas, the clear 90s? Yeah, they're gone though, right? Yeah, it was a joke, but you know. Oh, I, that's what I thought, because weren't they like uh, some kind of malt beverage that kids just got shit-faced on? Yeah. Zimas? Yeah, they, did, they did bring them back a few years ago, complete side note, but no, it's, you know, a couple beers. Whatever. And why did they, dis- they, they disappeared for a reason? The alcohol content was too high or something? that I know of. I think people no. just, they were kind of a fad and they kind of came uh, okay. out. And they so what do you drink? Uh, man, you- right. You know, my drink of choice right now is actually like a seltzer, like a La- LaCroix with a shot of yeah. vodka in it. That's what I, I try to drink. Used to be beer. And then my gut was so big. I said, I've got to stop. So a couple years ago, I tried to get a little healthier and now have a couple of vodkas with soda water. But, uh, okay. so anyway, I get in the, this Uber raid. It was, a uh, it was a, Kind of fascinating to get the Uber ride because it was a new BMW. And I thought, it's kind of strange. I've never had an Uber that was a like a brand new BMW. And we get in and the guy is an attorney. He's an attorney that owns his own law firm. He was a, a polit- and, and my age, relatively younger guy, ha- has his own law firm, started in D.C. doing uh, these um, political cases and said that, you know, it was basically did it for 15 years became stressful enough that he wanted to retire, still keeps his firm, but he's not very active. Said he has a few clients that he keeps. Um, so wow. fascinating to be driven around. So I was just asking this guy uh, questions about law questions, essentially, and DC law questions because it was it was fascinating. But my question, which is a complete non sequitur from what I've told you so far, he turns off the, the, the Uber, the destination that where he's going to take me, and just drives us around for an hour ah. before he drops us off. So actually midway through the drive, I get a message from Uber that says, your driver turned off his navigation. <laughs> Is everything okay? Are you okay? Wow. So I just ignored it. I just ignored that. I've never had that happen before. But the trip was supposed to be, it was like a $15 trip from the Riverbend Music Center in Cincinnati back to the hotel. Well, we get back, it's like $65. Um, and my question is, would you just be fine with that? Or would you try to call customer service and say, this was a little bit sketchy and maybe try to get some of that back? It was, it was. You surreal. paid it? Yeah, I paid it. I mean, you don't. Well, have I, oh, so I'm a little confused. I thought you said that he turned it off, was enjoying the conversation and drove you around. He turned off the navigation. He didn't turn off the meter, essentially. The meter ran. And he got. And he got lost. I guess he drove drove us kind of. You, if you you know where. Yeah, no, I would definitely fight that. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I thought out. you were making the point that he was enjoying chatting with you. So he was like, "Hey, this one's on me. I'll, I'll just drive you around because I'm enjoying the conversation." No, we did have a nice chat. The guy also turned out to be pretty liberal, but no, drove us all over Cincinnati before he took us back. The hotel was actually in Wilder, Kentucky, so drove us all around Cincinnati, which is out of the way from Riverbend. Before we got back to Wilder, and it was strange, and it was like we were in his car. And he didn't. 50 minutes. And it wasn't like he said, "Hey, I, I, here, I want to show you a few things." Or no, uh, he, 
That's bizarre. Yeah, no, fuck that. He did say, he said, you know, sometimes with the traffic, it'll kind of take us a little farther. And I'm just going to turn this off because I know how to get where you're going. And then it was funny because we were 35 minutes into the trip. He said, and now where, where's the hotel that you guys? Oh, wow. And we're like, yeah, no. Wilder, it's in Wilder, Kentucky. And so, oh, I know exactly how to get there. So then he makes a left. Ten minutes later, we're at the hotel. But it was very strange. Yeah, why would he turn the navigation off? No, that's very bizarre. And I'll tell you, that reminds me of something that happened just this week. Uh, We use an outfit, a local uh, HVAC uh, plumbing and heating, and we had a couple of units on the roof, and they had to go up. All right, so long story short, I get this bill. It's $495. I remember the day, $495. It was three and a half hours of labor at $115 an hour. All right. But I remember what happened. There's a young guy in his 20s and he the, the the unit needed fuses. Well, we got Brandon, you know, the handiest of handyman you'll ever meet. And he had a couple of fuses. Now, I'm not talking a car fuse. I'm talking a fuse that looks like a shock absorber. It's probably a hundred dollar fuse. This guy didn't have them on his truck. And he goes out driving to find these fuses. And Brandon came to the office. He's like, man, that guy should have checked with me. I've got these fuses back there. I, I, I keep them for just such an event. So I get this bill three and a half hours labor. That guy wasn't on the roof one hour changing the fuse. Oh, wow. The other two hours he was driving trying to find fuses that he never did find. Nobody had them locally. We had them in our building. So I called. Wow. And the guys, I explained it as I just explained it to you. And the, and the guy was fine. He, he said, no, nah, okay, I get that. He said, I can't take three and a half hours off. How about if I take two hours off, you'll have a 230. I can't refund you $230, but we'll give you a $230 credit. I said, fantastic. That's a win-win. Let, right. Let's do it. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, I mean, there's times where you feel like you're being ripped off. I mean, I'm not a confrontational guy, you know, but there's times where you're like, nah, wait a minute. This one I would like to make a little stink out of. Yeah. And, and I'm like you, I, most of the time we'll eat it. I just think when you're, you know, 50, 60 bucks of your hard earned money, like, yeah. you know, that's coming out of my pocket. Like, yeah, I misunderstood that when you said that, Tris, and I thought he was, uh, he was enjoying the conversation so much, the riveting conversationalist that you are, <laughs> sir, uh, that he was just driving around, which, you know, I'm sure your wife was like, oh, these two shut the fuck up. If I wanted to listen to a podcast, I'd turn one on and I don't yeah, do that. She does not. Not for all the money or King Midas's gold would my wife listen to five minutes. Oh ago. shit, Tris. And we had, we had nothing rehearsed on this show, which was probably evident. I apologize if I, uh, if I dominated it or I was too, uh, uh, uh too acerbic in my assessment of these youngsters, but you know, yeah. Yeah. and you made, you made a couple of great points, but I think we have reached the end of the road, my friend. Yeah, might as well do a little comedy. You want to hear a good one, Tristan? Yeah, absolutely. From two guys who fight the battle of the bulge, not the noble one that my dad fought, but the fat guys. I thought the dryer was shrinking my clothes. Turns out it was the refrigerator. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Dad's flooring. Dad's flooring dad joke. Thank you, Dad's flooring. We'll be we'll be barging back into your studios here real soon. But we've agreed we always have to do two of these because they're yeah. so horrible that one stands by itself. So, do you know what a Karen is called in Europe? Karen is called in Europe? No. An American. Dad's flooring dad hey, jokes. That's pretty good. Those were both pretty good. I like that. So... Yeah. Oh gosh. You know what we did? We zipped no. through this whole show. We didn't do our commercial break. 
So let's ah. do a quick commercial break, and then when we got to get better at this stuff, I promise that, the this the the my comedy will be worth it because I didn't write it. So fair. We'll fair. take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Fantastic. Hi, this is Tony with We Do Epoxy, and I'm looking for ugly floors. I mean, so ugly, dirt won't stick to it. We can take your ugly garage, basement, porch, or patio and turn it into a work of art in just a couple of days. Is your garage floor so ugly you keep the door closed to prevent anyone from seeing it? We Do Epoxy can fix that. Stop living with ugly concrete. Call me today at 859-582-7920. That's Tony at 859-582-7920. Okay, so... Thank you for listening to the ad. We appreciate all of our folks. We appreciate uh, Troy at Front Porch, Tony, We Do Epoxy, Berea Pond, Dad's Flooring, uh, Rational Boomer Podcast. Couldn't do the show without you guys. This is what I'm going to do, Ray. It's two minutes, so buckle up, settle in. This is Gilbert Gottfried reading passages from the novel Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. <laughs> I listened to this the other day and was found thorough enjoyment out of this. So takes it a couple seconds to start up, but just treat yourself. May Gilbert rest, rest in peace. Audible.com presents Fifty Shades of Grey, the erotic best-selling novel read by Gilbert Gottfried. My inner goddess has stopped dancing and is staring too, open mouth and drooling slightly. Hear it the way it was meant to be heard. Keep still, he orders, and slowly he inserts his thumb inside me, rotating it around and around, stroking the front wall of my vagina. No fisting, you say. Anything else you object to? I agree to the fisting, but I'd really like to claim your ass. Famed voice actor Gilbert Godfrey gives a reading that can only be described as sensual. Holy fuck is this wrong? But holy hell, is it ironic? Let Christian Grey seduce you over and over again through the voice of Gilbert Gottfried. But when he hits my clitoris, I cry out loudly. Oh, please, I groan. Quiet, he orders. Not taking his eyes off mine, he scrunches my panties in his hand, holds them up to his nose, and inhales deeply. His hands reach around and touch my breasts, and my nipples pucker at his touch. Oh, shit, this is hot. All right. Now, do we have anyone under the age of 18 listening to this show? Perhaps you should have done that disclaimer. If you're if you're a minor, turn it off right now. Yeah, maybe Troy can throw a disclaimer on this one. <laughs> I just found that the other day and said that's one That is really hysterical. Nice. Funnier than anything you know, could ever come we, we had gotten a couple of fun uh, T-shirts at Galaxy to sell. Like uh, one said, I'd hit that. And there were, there were a couple. But <laughs> Lucas had one that we opted out of, which said, Bowling, the most fun you can have with two fingers and a thumb. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good. 
these I don't know kids. if you'd want people wearing that with Galaxy Bowling Richmond, Kentucky on the front, though. Oh, oh Triz, that is That's damn funny. Cool. I hope that was. Uh, I hope that came across a uh, uh, fairly audible because old Gilbert. I wonder how long ago he did that. Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would assume around the beginning of the Fifty Shades of Grey craze, oh, which God, what, maybe fun. ten years ago at this point. So, right, two thousand ten. Oh my goodness! But if you could, all right, it, brother. I assume our audience could hear it. Hopefully, so. on that note. <laughs> <laughs> all right, right. Take care, man. Good seeing you. Have a good week, brother. You too. Hello. According to our research, you like podcasts. Well, if you have a passion, mission, or story, you should have your own podcast. And I have a resource you might be interested in. Go to frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. You'll see how Front Porch Studios can help you enter the world of podcasting. Again, that's frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. Thank you for your time. Goodbye.